Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to talk to you about the soil of your soul. The soil of your soul. We're going to take a look at four different reactions to God's word. I was going to call this sermon something along the lines of the four different types of people in every church service. And so we'll see if we can find you here today. And we'll see if God has some change that he wants to bring to your life today. Mark chapter 4, we'll start in verse 2. This is a Jesus uh, speaking a parable. And the Bible says, and he was teaching them many things in parables, stories. And in his teachings, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. And the birds came and they devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up. But since it had no depth of soil, when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Now other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding 30-fold, and 60-fold, and 100-fold. And Jesus said, now he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Today, I want to encourage you and challenge you to ask and allow God to change the soil of your soul. That you would allow him this Sunday and every Sunday to do the deep work on the part of you that receives the word of God. And I pray that God's word finds good soil in this church. I pray God's word every Sunday finds reception, finds openness. You know, we have a church that I, I got to tell you, it, it, sometimes it gets loud. And the reason we shout and the reason we say amen and the reason we nod our heads and the reason we say that's good isn't just for hype. We are telling each other, no, this is good soil. God, right here, right now, right here, right now, we are good soil. Why? We want to get the attention of heaven. God, if you have seed to sow into anyone and anywhere, do it here. Do it here, Lord. And so today we're going to take a look at the four different types of soil. The hard path and the rocky ground and the thorns and the good soil. And I pray today you even see that God wants to move you in maturity towards the good soil. And, and so we're going to speak about the three different kinds of soil that is bad, that is negative, that is unfruitful. But my goal isn't to make you sad and down and judge. My goal is to provide hope that there is a way to have a good soil in your soul and that there can be growth and maturity and healing and fruitfulness in the mighty name of Jesus. Can you say amen? 30 years this church has been a church with good soil. We say 30 more. 30 more. Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit, right now we invite you to come and we invite you to speak through your word to your people. God, right now we open our hearts to your word that the seed goes in, goes deep, and brings forth a great harvest. God, we pray against any of the distractions or 
Even any other spirit that would try and come and interrupt the word, either here right now or even this week, we pray that the Holy Spirit has the first and the final work. Right now, we yield ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Come on, everyone said, amen. 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 The seed of God's word has to find the right soil for it to be fruitful. So you got to understand, there's no problem with the sower. There's no problem with the seed. The reason there is an unfruitful life versus a fruitful life all comes down to the state of the soil in our soul. And we have a part to play in the state of the soil of our soul. We have a action that we can take. We have prayers that we can pray. And we have a God that wants to intervene so that our soul can become fruitful. But make no mistake, much depends on our soul being in the right place before God. Much depends. Last night, my wife, she ordered some groceries to our house. I don't know if you've ever used those apps, Instacart or Uber Eats or whatever, and they they deliver food right to your front door, you know? I know it might be making us lazier, but I got to tell you, I love it. (laughs) And, uh, And so she ordered the Instacart, but the problem with my house, and I don't know if you have this problem with your house, but it is certainly with my house. I'm just trying to figure out, is it is it a curse? I don't know. Maybe we need the prayer team to get on this, but... But nobody ever gets to my house correctly. The GPS always brings them to somewhere else. And so my neighbors always get my food. (laughs) They feast on my difficulty. So the the Instacart person, they they brought our groceries to someone else's house and they dropped them off and then they stopped communicating. And so my wife sent me out there, like, go figure it out. And and I, I, I walked up to my neighbor's driveway, like, you know, I, I, I drove up and I went to go get out, but it's, it's like, it's a long driveway and it's dark and it's scary. I'm not going to, I'm not, and so I chickened out. I chickened out. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not going to lie to you. I chickened out. And I went home and I said, those groceries are gone, babe. I don't know what to tell you. Get used to it. You know, I don't know. Let's eat some crackers. And, uh, and she, you know, she says she encouraged me, you know, and, uh, and she's like, go out there again. And I remembered, you know, my, my ancestors were hunters and foragers, so like, I can do this. Got back in my car and I decided, well, let, let me check the other houses, you know. And I was trying to like geolocate where these groceries are based on like a blurry image of somebody's steps, you know. I'm driving real slow through the neighborhood. And luckily I found them not at the creepy house, which is good. But my neighbors were home at the house where they were, and uh, I felt like I had to steal my own groceries. Because <laughs> a thief, you know? I had all the adrenaline pumping, even though it's my own groceries. And so I, I you know, I got them all in one, in one, there's something about taking all the groceries in in one shot, you know? So I was like, let's do this, and I, ah! and I was like, like, you ever see those strongman competitions where the guy's like, ah! <laughs> no, you don't watch strongman competitions? Threw them all in. <laughs> I, threw, I threw them all in my Jeep, and <laughs> I didn't even want to shut the door. I didn't want to wake anybody up, and I like squealed out of there. <laughs> oh man, it's like getting all like it's like getting all the adrenaline of doing something wrong and yet being righteous. <laughs> but you know what, what I what I what I thought was interesting from this was I thought you know like it was the right groceries and it was close, but it was in the wrong place. Therefore, it was useless. 
It was, uh, it was unedible. It, it, you can have the right stuff, but it's got to be in the right situation. It's got to be in the right place. There's no problem with the sower in this parable. There's no problem with the seed. The problem is with the situation. The problem is with the soil. The problem is with the state of the soul. And, and that's what Jesus wants to narrow in on. Because, see, Jesus wants us to have a fruitful life. How many people want a fruitful life in their mind, in their body, in their home? Well, I got good news for you. Jesus wants for you to be fruitful as well. So he's going to speak about the traps, the things that end up making our lives unfruitful so that we don't get caught up in those things, so that we don't get stuck in those things, but that we become a situation, a place where the seed can go deep and produce a great harvest. But see, we got to understand where we're coming from. you got to understand why Jesus told this parable. In order, in order to understand that, you got to go back to the very beginning of Genesis. And you got to take a look at the fall of mankind. When Adam and Eve sinned, there came a curse of sin over the whole land. Not just their lives, but over the whole land. Look at this verse. God speaks to Adam and says, Cursed is the ground because of you. Not just are you living on the curse, the soil is now cursed. The earth is now cursed. And so what do you have to do? Well, now in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. Interesting. It's the same words from the parable. And you shall eat the plants of the field. Now, now watch this. Now he says, and you're going to have to work real hard. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so what happens here? What happens is that the curse of sin, the corruption of sin, comes over the whole earth. And now the soil mirrors the state of the human soul. Both are dry. Both are barren. Both are fruitless. Both are lifeless. And this is the curse that humanity had been living under for thousands and thousands of years. But here's the good news. God sends a sower. God sends a sower. God sends his son. And the Bible says, Jesus says, that the sower sows the word. That Jesus comes and he begins a new interaction for the whole earth, for you. God sends the word. What you have to understand is every scripture is a seed. Every scripture is a seed that God is planting into your heart and his hope and the goal is that it would bring forth a harvest in your life, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Every scripture contains within it life on top of life. And so God sends his son to bring the word of life and scatter it over his people. This is what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 119 where he says, my soul, it clings to the dust but give me life according to your word. How many are thankful that the word became flesh and dwelled among his people, that Jesus came to the earth and began to plant some new things? I once was stuck in sin from dust to, to dust, but there is the opportunity for life according to the word of God. And you gotta understand 
This is what Easter represents, that Jesus is like the seed that was planted into the earth, planted into death, but he brought resurrection life. And now because of the crucifixion and the resurrection, the curse that was once on the soil of your soul, that curse is broken. You no longer have to live in a dry and barren place. You no no longer have to live an unfruitful life because Jesus came and he cracked that thing open. And more than that, he says, I will send my Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that will begin to water the soil of your life. He'll begin to change things deep within your soul, things that you could not change. From Adam, we couldn't change it. But the second Adam came, and Jesus broke the curse from the first Adam. So now our lives no longer have to live under a curse, but we can receive life according to the word. That's why I have faith for this Easter weekend. Because I believe a lot of lives are going to move from the curse and from death into resurrection life. And so my prayer is that the people that come and the people that, that receive the word, I pray that their hearts are, are in a place of hunger where they, they have good soil in their life. I pray there's good soil in this church For Jesus broke the curse and cast the seed. But the question is, what kind of soil is found within our soul? How will we react to the word of God? You know, the odds seem to be stacked against us. But if God is for us, who can be against us? The way to Jesus is narrow and few find it. But those who do receive resurrection life, may that be you. When the seed is sown on Sunday, when the seed is sown on Easter, when the seed is sown Uh, During our church services, what kind of soil will it land on? Jesus shows us that there are four different types, four different reactions to the word of God. And the first type of soil, of soul, is the hard path. And Jesus explains this parable to us. And he says this, he says, when they hear, Satan immediately comes to take away the word. See, what Jesus is speaking about is people that have a hard heart. They've hardened their heart to the things of God. They're closed off to God. But see, what you have to understand is when you harden your heart to the things of God, you open your life to the enemy. You open your life. There is no protection for the seed. There is no covering. When you you remove the covering of God, you're wide open to any, any attack. Any aerial attack attacks in your mind, attacks in your spirit. And you notice Jesus lets us know, by the way, Satan immediately comes. Immediately. In other words, he's not waiting for like next month, next year. He'll plan it out. He'll try and get you. Satan comes in the parking lot. Some of you have experienced this. Satan comes in the parking lot. Satan comes Sunday night. He comes Monday morning. Why? Because what he's trying to do is steal the seed before it can even take root. He knows how powerful the word of God is. He knows how deep it can go. He knows the things that it can break. And so what Satan wants to do is come and snatch this thing away. And he comes quickly and he comes immediately. And what he wants to do is steal the truth and replace it with a lie. Don't make the mistake of of thinking that you have no enemy. No, you do. So you've got to be watchful and you've got to be alert because the Bible says that Satan moves around around this earth like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I'm not saying this to scare you because I believe Satan is under your feet. I believe that because of Jesus, you have authority over the enemy, but you've got to use that authority. You've got to be aware of that authority. We're not unwise to the schemes of the enemy. 
So we know his mission, it's to steal and kill and destroy. If he can steal the seed, he can kill your life and he can destroy the fruit from your life. So you gotta start right here and right now and when you hear a word from God, when you read a scripture where God speaks, you guard that thing. Begin to hold on to that thing. Cover that thing quickly because the enemy is moving about in the pictures like birds, like vultures, circling, looking to dive on the moment of faith. I live next to like a processing plant and I don't know what they process, but it's loud and it's noisy and it starts at four in the morning and, and there's always vultures circling over that. So whatever there is, some, some dead organic material, the vultures swoop down at incredible speeds and they snatch it out before any of the other vultures can get it. And that's, like, that's what Jesus is saying. is like the enemy's circling your life and he's looking for the open door. He's looking for the opportunity, but you gotta be on guard. It's why you're here on Sunday morning. I'm in a fight, but I'm gonna win this fight. I'm not gonna pr pretend I don't know what's going on. I know the enemy's coming after my child. I know the enemy's coming after my leg. I'm not just gonna trust that it'll be all right. It'll be all right because I'm gonna cover them in the word of God. I'm gonna pray over their life. I'm gonna be on guard over myself. I'm gonna watch over my marriage. And I'm not gonna let my heart become hardened to the things of the Lord. Many times we allow our heart to become hardened to the things of God, thinking that if we say, like, I'm not going to submit here, that I'll be okay over there. Well, well I'm, I'm, I'm not going to forgive here, but I'll be forgiven over there. Thinking that we can be hard-hearted in one area and receive salvation in another. But the reality is, if you begin to harden your heart a little bit, it starts to take over. And, and I think it's amazing that Jesus uses a path because the reality is life will trample you down. And it will crush you down if you do not open up for God to cultivate the soil of your life. And so I want to warn you about becoming hard-hearted to the things of God. Becoming hard-hearted to the voice of God. There are three things that I see that, begin, that make our heart hard towards the thing of God, things of God. The first is a lack of repentance. If you never are able to ask forgiveness from God... It's, you'll find that it becomes harder and harder to ask forgiveness of God. And maybe you're able to say, God, please forgive me, but, but you never ask, you never repent to people around your life. Hey, I'm sorry I said that. Hey, forgive me, I snapped. Hey, you know what? That wasn't godly. When, well, you say, I don't want to do that. That'll break down my ego. That's right. That's right, because your ego will kill the life that God's trying to, trying to plant in you. And God's saying, I got to kill the ego. I gotta break that thing down. I gotta, I gotta pull up this hardened path. Because you gotta be careful, and, and I, wanna be, I wanna be very careful. I wanna say this. You've gotta be careful because the world is really exemplifying what it looks like to have a hardened heart right now. And, and I think it's pretty interesting that it's on a path. There should be progress, and yet there's no life. And I think the lie of the world is that we're progressing, and yet I see a lack of life. I see a lack of health. I see a lack of repentance. I see a lack of forgiveness. I see a lack of grace. I, 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 see, I see reaction. I see violence. I see frustration. I see anger. I see bitterness. And what is that coming from? Hard hearts. Your, when your heart becomes hardened, what happens is, number two, you stop listening to the voice of God. You lack obedience. Well, then how can God bring life if you refuse his word? And, and this is our society. They say we want to cut truth. Truth can be whatever. We cut truth. And yet, we want a flourishing life. Well, truth might hurt as it digs up those places of your life. But in the end, it will bring a flourishing life. 
And so we've got to listen to the voice of God. And we've got to choose obedience even when it's difficult, even when it doesn't line up with our desires or our emotions or what we think is right. We have to choose obedience. Why? Because we do not want to live by our own reactions. We don't want to obey our own emotions. We don't want to obey our own feelings. Because hear me, if you won't obey God, you'll start obeying yourself. And you become a tyrant for yourself. Your life becomes difficult. God is a grace-filled king. And when you obey his voice, he begins to bring newness. And you know what always ends up when we get a hardened heart? We end up lacking empathy. We end up lacking empathy. We say, where's the compassion? Where's the softness? Where, where, where's the kindness in this world? Well, well what's happened is you've, you've, you've rejected God and you've never asked forgiveness and you're listening to yourself in the ways of the world and in the end, you become the judge and the jury and the executioner and, and you can see it on people's faces. You, you can see a hard heart on people's faces and, and sometimes I'll even see it when I'm driving around. The other day I saw someone at the bus stop and I looked at them and I, they, they scared me a little bit. They looked right at me, and I was like, oh, you know. And I felt so sad for this woman because you could tell she lived a hard life. And that life had hardened her face and hardened her eyes. And it's hardened your speech. And and pretty soon you become like someone like that. You you were raised by wolves. You become like one of those rugged mountain men. And and someone says, like, how you doing? You know, you doing okay? Why wouldn't I be doing good today? You become like Vince McMahon. (laughs) You're like, well, what happened? Well, the word brings flourishing, but the enemy brings death. And so we have to choose, God, do the work to soften our hearts. Well, how does that happen? How do we get areas of our heart to become soft once again to God? Hebrews gives us the answer in chapter 3, verse 7. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, right now, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. When God convicts you, when God speaks to you on Sunday morning as as I preach, don't cross your arms. Don't don't shut your ears. Don't look away. Don't criticize, but say, God, right now, soften my heart. The Holy Spirit is the antidote to a hardened heart. This is why we worship so long on Sundays, Wednesday nights. Why well, I encourage you to have worship going on in your, in your homes. Why? Because the spirit softens the soul. And worship softens our heart and prepares it for the word of God. The second reaction we see is the rocky soil. The rocky soil, we, we see that the Bible says, Jesus says, when they, they heard the word, they received it with joy, but they had no root in themselves. So they endured for a little while, but when tribulation or persecution arises, not if, when tribulation. We say, what's going on? Well, the Bible already told us what's going on. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. Wait, wait. I thought if I was a follower of the word, it would defend me from persecution. No, no. It's actually because you believe the word that you're going to have to face some oppression, some persecution. Because you stand for truth, there might be a fight. And and, and so when the tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, these people immediately fall away. When the testing comes... There's not enough root in their life. And they say, you know what, I'm out. This has gotten too difficult. I thought it would just be easy and there'd just be blessings and prosperity. But you know what? I didn't think I would have to sacrifice. Nobody mentioned about sacrifice. Nobody mentioned about cutting some things out of my life. 
Nobody mentioned that there would be times of difficulties where I'd have to trust. I didn't know I had to cultivate faith. I didn't know there was going to be some times where I'd have to step out of the boat. But God says, no, if you're going to follow me, it might not be easy, but it will be worth it. And I'll make you strong. And I'll make you deep. So when the rains come and the wind comes, you will not be uprooted. The rocky soil, the people in the rocky soil, they received, but they weren't rooted. They knew the truth, but they were uncommitted to it. Like the disciples that shouted Hosanna on Sunday, but on Good Friday, they they fled. And they were nowhere to be found. What happened? Well, when persecution struck, they realized that their faith was only the kind of faith that was in existence on Sunday morning, but not in the dark nights of the soul. And the problem is... The problem is, is that the rocky soil stops the seed from taking root. Things can be buried under the surface that stop your growth. See, that's the issue here, is the things that are buried under the surface that stop the root going deep. Buried sin, buried pain. Maybe it's buried character flaws or buried ambition. I won't know it's there. Your spouse might know. I won't know. Your coworker won't know. You might even be able to cover it up for years. You cover up and you say things like, I w- I'll never tell anyone about this. I'd rather cover it with my shame. I'd rather cover it with guilt. I'd rather cover it with a, with a smile. When really, this thing is stopping my growth. It's stopping me from being fruitful. It's stopping me from being happy or healthy, holy. It's this It's this buried thing. See, you got to know something about God. God wants to dig that thing up. And he wants to get that out of your life. See, Jesus is here to change the state of the soil of your heart. And so every Sunday, God sends me and I start shoveling away at stuff. And all of a sudden, as I'm speaking, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just talking. But the Holy Spirit says, say this. So I say that and dink. I hit something under the surface in your life. Dink, dink. The Holy Spirit sends someone. Dink. You're reading the scripture, dink, dink. And God, and God says, what's this? You didn't tell anybody about this. You didn't even know this was there. What's this? And, and God starts digging around it. Have you ever tried to dig in your backyard like a little garden and you hit a rock and the more you dig, the bigger the rock gets? That's what God, God says. Look at, you got some selfish ambition and oh, look, look, it's connected to jealousy. Oh, look, it's connected to insecurity. Look, look, this is connected to all of your relationships. That's why you can't applaud other people. That, that's, that's why you can't be happy and content. You can't, be, you can't have gratitude because you won't always want. And God starts unveiling these things in our lives. And we, we have a choice at this moment. Do we say, God, no. No, no, no. I want the worship. I'll see you on Sunday. But don't unearth that thing. It's too painful. It hurts too much. I don't want other people seeing the things that, I, that were buried. Can't let my spouse see. I can't let the pastor know. I can't talk to my crew leader. I can't go to the altar for this because I'm, I'm supposed to be good. But I got something under the surface. Remember, I was praying for someone here at the altar. And in the midst of the praying, something came out of this man that was like violent rage. And we started praying and casting this oppressive spirit of rage off this man. And when it was done, he turned. I'll never forget what he said. He said, man, I didn't even know that was in there. But the Holy Spirit did. And he said, today's the day 
We're going to take this spirit out of your life. We're going to deal with this brokenness. We're going to hit this pain. And we're, we're going to begin to unearth these things, not to mock, not to condemn, not to judge, not to laugh, but that there might be healing in your life. Can you say amen? But you have to allow God to turn over the soil of your life because he wants to lay a deep, deep foundation. This is what David was talking about when he said, Lord, will you create in me a clean heart? God, there's some things that were buried under the surface. Can you get them out and create me a clean heart? And Lord, renew in me a right, a steadfast spirit. God wants to lay a foundation, which means he might have to drill down into some things. He might have to drop some dynamite in that it might cause a mess. It might get worse before it gets better. But God's saying this might hurt, but it will be for your good because I'm moving you. I'm moving you from the hard path. I'm moving you from the rocky soil. But God says, I've got a vision of what your life could be. Will you trust me to pull these things, though difficult, though painful, pull these things out of your life so that you and your children and your children's children can flourish under the word of God? Let God do the digging. Every Sunday, I pray God digs right at you. Every Wednesday. And I think sometimes our reaction to that is to turn off to ghost God. Right when God starts hitting at stuff, we say, you know what, I, I think I'm good. You know, I'll be back in a couple months. You know, I just, you know, I got things going on in my life. You know, I, I think I got to find another church. I got to, you know, just, it's, I got nothing against it. I just need to find another one. Then you go to the church and the pastor goes, so glad you're here. Dink. Hey, what's this? <laughs> I'm, I'm spiritually agnostic. Um, I'm just going to try some other religions. I'm just going to, you know, just go with the flow and I'll watch some Joel Osteen and, you know, I'll do some yoga. And God says, all right. God sends your aunt. Hey, how you doing? Dink. Because <laughs> God loves you enough to dig up the broken, the buried and the hurting things of your life so you can flourish. The third type of reaction is the thorny soil. These are those that hear the word. Well, watch this. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, they enter in and they choke the word. And the word ends up and the life ends up becoming unfruitful. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus is speaking to the Christians. Jesus is speaking to the Christ followers. And he's saying it's not just good enough to get rooted. You have to watch the things that you surround yourself with. What Jesus is saying is you and I, we have to make a choice. The word or the world. We love the word or we love the world. Because in the end, the world, though it will slow, it creeps and it surrounds and it begins to tighten itself. And if it can get, if it can get, it's, it's thorns into you. Those thorns can go deep. And Jesus is, he's talking about Christians. This, the, the thorny soil, the most I've seen this happen to is Christians. I'm talking about people that are saved, that are serving, that are in the house of God, but they have never pushed these things back. They've never cut off these things that are trying to cut them off from God. They love God, but they still love the world. They still love this aspect. They still love, like, like Lot's wife, these Christians are always looking back, always looking to the side from where they came from. And, and it's because they've allowed themselves to just be consumed with the cares of the world. I want to tell you something. Most Sundays, I'm not up here 
telling you my opinion on the latest thing that happened this week. You know why? Because I don't want us to be consumed with the cares of the world. Let's go to the ancient scripture. Let's go to the eternal things. Let's go to the things that lived before creation and we'll go beyond it. I don't want to always chase Twitter trending. And, and, and more than that, we have to be very careful about the deceitfulness of riches. And we have a culture that has been deceived by riches. We have replaced God's blessing with man's riches. And whole social media movements have moved up with the presentation of riches. Always false, photoshopped, the car's rented, the girl's a model, the guy's in bankruptcy, but be like me. And it's hit the church for the love of money and the desire of it. That's at the root of all sorts of evil. And so when we give, what, what are we doing? We're cutting those thorns away. Uh-uh. I'm going to sacrifice. Not today, because I don't want to be deceived into any other God. I know you're with me, and so we're going to keep moving on. But, but I pray that you and I, we don't grow up to be carnal Christians, allowing the creeping things to slowly cut us off from God. The, 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 the good things, the, what we wear, how we're, we're perceived, or obsession with money, or a desire for comfort, or, or, or wanting a high position, or influence, or, or even getting caught up in good things like family, and, and kids' sports, and, and the new, and the next, and the entrepreneurial endeavor, all good, but if you're not careful, they can be the cares of life that will crush your faith. And crush your connection of God. These things must be in proper order, submitted to God, him first, the seed of his word, bringing fruitfulness in our lives that we would cut off the things that would try and cut us off from God. And the fourth and final is the good soil. Jesus says, but there are some. I, mean, I know it's one out of four, but there are some that when the seed hits this soil, their life begins to flourish. He says these are ones who hear the word and they accept it. They're open. They're hungry. They're ready. And then they bear fruit. And I love this. You know, just like we've gone through a maturing process from the path to the good soil, there's a process even in the good soil. Jesus says if you'll accept the word, I will produce fruit in your life 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. I was thinking about a pastor that I recently was with at my grandparents' funeral. He was their pastor, and, and he was 90-plus years old, 95 years old, still leading Bible studies. And he was telling me about the things that God is speaking to him and the things that he's still working on in his life. 95? This is someone that's gone from 30-fold to 60-fold, and he's saying, God, I still want 100-fold. I pray that's us. I pray that's your home. I, I, I hope more even than your children coming to church. I pray you'll see your grandchildren serving God coming to church. We don't want just a little bit. We don't want just a taste. We want all of the fruit, and we want it in multiplication because here's the good news. God, when he gets involved, he always multiplies. He doesn't do little things. I just see it from Genesis to Revelation. Whatever God does, he does big. He really does. Like on the first day of the church, God says, let's save some people. Start with 3,000. And everyone's like, whoa, what a beginning. It's like the way of God. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He's like, if you let just one seed of scripture come into your life, there will be harvests. 
thirtyfold. That'd be good enough. Talk about multiplication, but Jesus says, but there's more. Come on, if you'll give a little bit more, if you come closer to me, if you submit your heart and your mind and you remain open and you accept my word, I will grow you in ways that are far beyond your capacity. Well, then how do I get that way? How how do I get fertile soil like this? How, How do I get my heart to be the good soil? You know what I noticed? The difference between all four of these soils, the difference is very simple. Only one of the soil was cultivated. Only one of the soil was worked. Only one of the soil was open to the hands of the gardener. I pray that you continue like you're doing right now to open your heart and say, God, cultivate me. Let me tell you something. Church works the soil. Worship works the soil. Prayer works the soil. Scripture works the soil. Forgiveness works the soil. Discipline, spiritual disciplines, it works the soil. Meditation works the soil. And as you begin to work the soil, all of a sudden the thorns get taken away and the the, the rocks get thrown to the side. And now God says there's room for growth. There's room for fruitfulness. I pray you are fruitful in your mind. I pray it's 30, 60, and 100 fold. And I know maybe you don't feel there right now, but I've got good news. You can move from the hard place to the fruitful place, even in your mind. I hope that your mind has ideas. I pray you wake up in the morning excited for the day. You do not have to live under the scare crows, the circling vicious crows of the enemy. But there can be a fog that is lifted. There can be an enemy that is chased away. You can have new ideas. You can have fresh faith. You can have joyful thoughts. And you might have to fight for it, but I believe that God can grow this fruitfulness in your thoughts where you can one day be at 30, but by the end you might be at 100-fold where Christ has purified your thinking and changed your mind and those old patterns of addiction or lies, those things are gone. Those rocks are removed, and now there's fruitfulness. I pray your body has fruitfulness in it. I pray you have a long life. I pray you have a healthy body. Can you say amen? Jesus, if you can bring fruitfulness in our soul, certainly you can bring fruitfulness in our bodies. I pray your emotions are fruitful. I pray you're not like a thorny person, pricking everybody that tries to help, bringing pain to everybody that tries to get close to you. I pray God removes that from us, and you are a delight to be around, that you do have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I pray you get promotions based on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I pray your marriage can grow and be fruitful. 40 years on, you can still stand each other. People say, how did you do it? It's impossible. No, we just had to let God cultivate us so that fruitfulness can be in our life, in our children and children's children. Hear me, I believe God's promise is fruitfulness. And I pray, I believe God's promises is fruitfulness in abundance. So Hosea says this, so sow righteousness for yourselves and reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord. That's, that's, that is our challenge. That is our direction. That's what we're going to sow because that's what we want to reap. And I think the commitment to say, Lord, break up the hard places in my life. Break up the unplowed ground. Do what you want to do. 
get to work in me. Every Sunday, when you walk in these doors, say, God, get to work in me. Wednesdays, when you open the scripture, God, get to work in me and begin to work the soil of my soul. This is why we have the altar every single Sunday. And this is why I ask you to not rush out. Because some people are receiving salvation. And maybe you say, well, I've already been saved. Well, then take that moment and say, God, let this seed go deep. And let it produce 30, 60, maybe even 100. Use that time to allow the seed to sink in. The seed of scripture will change your life. And it will bring harvests. Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, he says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Wow. Remember how Adam was animated? By the breath of God. All scripture, scripture comes into the soil and brings life into your weary soul. It's breathed out by God and it is profitable for teaching, for correction, reproof, and for training in righteousness. So Lord, right now, we give you our hearts Whatever state you find the soil of our soul in right now, Lord, we ask that scripture begins to invade it. And we ask that your mighty hand comes and begins to break up the hard places, the hidden places, the places that are consumed with the world or the flesh. And I pray even for those, God, that are good soil. Lord, I pray you move them from 30 to 60. God, I pray you put leadership and new mantles on them. New capacities to sacrifice. And I pray for new ministers and ministries to rise up out of this church. Lord, we pray over every heart in this place as you convict through this word. Lord Jesus, right now, will you come? Will you expose? Will you show us what area you want to work in? We open ourselves to you. Right now, I want to ask you, did any one of these areas that I was speaking stand out to you? Ask God, come and cultivate me. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time and you've been given and faithful and you say, I, I feel like I've been 30. Can I challenge you? There's 60 waiting for you. Maybe you say, I've been serving. I'm a team leader. I'm a crew leader. And I, I've, been, I've seen God multiply 60-fold in my life and in my leadership. Maybe God wants to bring 100-fold from you. There's never an end to what God can bring in fruitfulness in your life. The more you give him, the more he'll bring out of you. I want to encourage this church to allow the seed of God's word to find the right soil of our soul. And may we take responsibility for the state of the soil of our home and our hearts and our children. And may this church be one that is 30, 60, and 100 fold. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.